Welcome back to Educate, the alternative classroom experience brought to you by me, Katie Conn, from my London bedroom. So it's been another week <laughs> since I graced your ears. How are we? How are you? I hope you're all right. We are a year, a year since lockdown. What on earth? That is a fact that I'm not mentally, emotionally, physically and spiritually okay with. So we're going to move past that and segue. So tonight on Keeping Up With Educate Audiences, we're going to be doing a deep dive into celebrity culture. So strap in, folks. Get your hot matcha lattes or whatever you fancy drinking these days. I don't even think hot matcha lattes are a thing. But we're going to take a deep dive into all things celebrity culture. We're going to go all the way through time and space and end up into the influencer world that we live in today. How does that sound, everybody? Okay, cool. <laughs> I'm going to turn back over to Katie, who's going to introduce the episode. Gosh, thank you so much, uh, Metaphorical Katie. That was really lovely to hear from you. Um, please never pop up ever again because my cringe level um, just <laughs> evaporated um, and I'm no longer present on this earth. Are you ready to come back in time? And we're going to start from the beginning because, as we've all heard before, it is a bloody good place to start. Let's go. In his 2020 book, Dead Famous, an unexpected history of celebrity, British historian Greg Jenner describes a celebrity as Noun, a unique persona made widely known to the public via media coverage and whose life is publicly consumed as a dramatic environment, and whose commercial brand is made profitable for those who exploit their popularity, and perhaps also for themselves. Boom. Nice one, Greg. You're a ledge. We're going to hear from you a bit later. So, a unique persona made widely known to the public via media coverage, whose life is publicly consumed as a dramatic entertainment, and whose commercial brand is made profitable for those who exploit their popularity, and perhaps also for themselves. Nice, nice, nice. So, celebrities are at this point, in this definition, very intrinsically linked with capitalism. That's not something that is going to be new to anyone, but good to state nonetheless. Let's go to the athletes in Greece, shall we? Athletes in Greece were known as the celebrities of their day. They would be given free meals for the rest of their lives after emerging victorious from their games. And they'd receive gifts from adoring fans. Kind of like today, really. These ancient Greek athletes would receive the equivalent of the red carpet rollout. Dr Hans van Wies stated that the Greek athletes, when they returned home, if they were victorious, part of the city wall was demolished so that they didn't have to use the gates like ordinary mortals. Ancient Rome, similarly, lauded actors and notorious gladiators as the celebrities of their day. If your face, like Julius Caesar's, made it onto a gold coin, you were winning at life as those city dwellers exchanged money for scrolls and ancient bits and bobs, whatever they bought those days. We certainly were not going to be meeting Jeff Bezos and his Amazon empire for years and years and years and years to come. When Sir Thomas Beckett was killed in 1170, or I guess we probably should say murdered, at Canterbury Cathedral, the Catholic Church basically made him into a martyr, and in doing so, through his death, 
He was elevated into long-lasting celebrity status for centuries to come, and Canterbury Cathedral became a fashionable pilgrimage site. So let's just stick with this idea of a site that is historically very well known. So if we're going to hop forward in time now, we're in the 19th century, we also start to see that there are other places that are fashionable places to be seen and to go to. So obviously everybody knows that if you went to the theatre back in the days, often people went to the theatre to just be seen. They weren't really too bothered about what was actually going on on the physical stage itself. If they were in the boxes, you know, to the side of the proscenium arch, they wanted to be the play, they wanted to be the spectacle. Onlookers would look at them. And so what we then start seeing is in the 19th century when lots of artists are sort of thriving in hotspots like London and Paris, these locations became fashionable, right? They were cultural landscapes for artists to thrive in and earn a living for their work. So a lot of people would go to these places to be noticed by onlookers. They became fashionable. So <laughs> if we're going to contextualise that maybe with modern culture now, if we're in LA, we might be going to Nobu. <laughs> so we start to see that location also plays a massive impact in the creation of a celebrity and the celebrity aura. So if we're sticking in the 19th century, it was basically also around this time when gossip columns became a thing. So obviously gossip columns need people to gossip about. And as a result of that, people going to these locations um, who start to kind of get into the public eye are suddenly starting to become, you know, the kind of celebrities of their day. And so now if we jump into the early 20th century, the Industrial Revolution has happened. Output was now able to happen faster because machines could make fabrics a lot quicker, could make machine parts, could produce cars, you know, all of that malarkey. But of course, as machinery develops and so does electricity and all of these exciting things that we now take for granted today that were epic back in the day, ooh, a light bulb, we then witness the movie industry becoming a thing. So when cinema was silent, we had people like Charlie Chaplin. And here is a really fun fact for you about celebrity in the early stages of cinema. Celeb wasn't too much of a thing in the early days when cinema was establishing itself. Paul McDonald, shout out Paul, I don't know Paul, but you're great for giving me this quote, that in the first decade of the 20th century, American film production companies withheld the names of film performers, despite requests from audiences, fearing that public recognition would drive performers to demand higher salaries. And Paul, I'm not going to lie, those early producers were bang on the money there. Just look at the salaries that actors are paid these days for the big hitter franchises. Whew, I mean, bloody hell, they're amazingly high. So I'm thinking that back in the early days, by holding that information back, celebs probably were still able to keep a level of privacy. But then, of course, as we have the stars, the Hollywood golden bygone era, Audrey Hepburn, 
Robert Redford, Judy Garland, uh, we've got Marilyn Monroe, we've got so many stars. And after a while, when the media industry was growing at its ever-increasing rate, obviously with advances in technology, you got TV screens, you got movie theatres, you got radio. I mean, obviously, the producers really couldn't maintain this info from the public. So public fascination went well beyond the on-screen exploits of movie stars and their private lives, you know, were the things that were becoming headline news. For example, in Hollywood marriages of Elizabeth Taylor and in Bollywood, the affairs of Raj Kapoor in the 1950s. A nice idea to keep that private info from the public, but at the end of the day, people always sniff it out. And sadly, salaries will go up when people become more famous. It's just a general rule of thumb. So then, of course, in the second half of the century, TV, popular music, starts creating brand new concepts of celebrity. So who are we meeting now? We're meeting the rock stars, the pop stars, the TV presenters, the newsreaders and talk show hosts. Remember, this is back in the day that pre-exists social media on our phones and even the commercial internet that actually really does dominate our lives today. So these well-known faces, especially the ones from the telly, were mainly associated with the specific broadcasting channels that they worked for. It was actually quite hard for these celebs to transcend the borders of their contracted TV stations and shows. So, okay, there's always an exception to that kind of blanket statement. You have got people like Oprah, Jerry Springer, David Frost. Of course, you're watching them on TV, but you you might read about them in the papers, especially sort of gossip columns that exist in tabloid newspapers, you know, that level, of course, you're going to hear about celebrities' lives. But there was a real difference in access of information. You know, now a celeb can pick up their phone and show us the inside of their bathroom, which, of course, plays into the fantastically hilarious aspect of internet culture when everyone notices that the water pressure in Kylie Jenner's bathroom isn't actually very good. And then, as a result, make loads of memes about it and then... <laughs> And then Kylie does another explainer video afterwards to be like, actually, my water pressure is really good. So God bless the internet these days. But let's stick in the pre-social media landscape. With the millennium, 2000s, we're at the turn of the century. And of course, in this year, we see the first series of Big Brother, which was the first ever show of its type. So normal people in society entered a house, they would compete with each other. Of course, these people were cast to, you know, fit very specific types of personalities that they knew would work against and for each other and would create the maximum amount of intrigue and drama. But these normal everyday people were in this house, they'd compete with each other to win tasks and were ultimately voted out or kept in by a general public vote. So normal TV viewers were suddenly witnessing another type of celeb that was entering the cultural landscape once those normal people emerged from the Big Brother house. Ladies and gents, boys and girls, strap in and let's bring to the stage the reality TV star. <laughs> so the reality TV star, I guess, is a person who wasn't really famous for anything other than playing themselves. Perhaps, arguably, this could be the hardest part that you can ever really play. 
A guy called Daniel Borstein notes that a celebrity is a person who is well-known for their well-knownness. And this couldn't really be more applicable to these reality stars. Society felt like, night after night, as they were tuning in to watch these people on their TVs, they were feeling a sense of familiarity. I guess you kind of felt like you knew them. You were witnessing them go through life, and there was a sense of intrigue in that. So then, as the rise of reality TV shows continued, slowly but steadily, social media came along and revolutionised that landscape of celebrity as we know it. With apps like Twitter and Instagram, it suddenly felt like we were able to speak to our celebrities. You know, yes, they might not reply, but sending them a quick message on our phones or commenting on a photo, there was that feeling, and I guess there still is for so many people, that that celebrity might actually read what you've said. That celebrity might know who you are. These celebrities felt within reach. And of course, fans lapped it up. They absolutely loved it. And to this day, still do. Of course, as we've got social media evolving, we also have video evolving on the internet. And we've got YouTube, which brings us onto a whole other kettle of fish. Ladies and gentlemen, I would also like to bring to the stage the YouTube star. go on YouTube, would escape their own lives by watching somebody else who were strangers live their own lives. And as a result, these YouTubers, the ones who were receiving lots of views and followers, were becoming celebs in their own rights. They were reshaping that landscape in context of digital celeb. So the celebrities that we were seeing online, we were learning when they were having good and bad days, what they were watching and cooking at home. We would see them eat the same cereal as us, we stole glimpses into their home and beauty regimes. This has all happened over the last decade. Suddenly, these celebrities were now able to write their own narratives of their own personas and in doing so, provide the press machine with content to comment on. A content overload, one might argue. Suddenly, these huge celebrity followings that people could physically see on social media meant that if a celebrity did a branded collaboration or a post to promote a product, so many people would begin to see this product and associate it with this celebrity. And therefore, oh, maybe I should buy that. Or, oh, okay, I'll, if they like it, I'll go and check out the brand. And suddenly, we are feeding into our capitalist system, which was always inevitable with anything popular. Celebrities in this new era, as well as influencers who have these huge followings, were now instant springboards for branded partnerships and were ultimately hugely responsible in their ability to boost company profile and, of course, sales. Now, of course, celebs have always done branded partnerships. Advertising had shifted, as had the role of the celebrity. Celebs themselves, now more than ever, are directly at the epicentre of consumerism. So the rise of the smartphone during this era of social media growth, of course, enabled the everyday person, not just the celebrity, to rise into influencer stardom. Somebody who was posting things that other people found relatable online were suddenly gaining followers. And these figures were able to learn what these followers enjoyed and really target that audience and therefore continue to grow their profile. And their followers that they were growing 
They weren't just people at school who was friends with a friend of a friend who they went to school with. These were just certain people on the internet that happened to enjoy what content was being provided. These social media users who were putting out this content started becoming internet celebs in their own rights through the production of their own content. Just like our celebrities that we'd seen on our TVs and listened to on our radios, this marked a brand new era of celebrity, one that we had not seen before and one that was inextricably linked with fast-paced mass consumerism. The rise of the influencer. In essence, the smartphone combined with social media was essentially creating reality stars on a social media basis, but giving the feeling of authenticity. Directors, camera crews and visibly edited and staged material felt really far away from this type of celeb that we were now seeing on our smartphones. The idea of watching user-generated content, or UGC for those in the biz, felt personal. And through this, these influencers sort of started to feel like familiar friends. Suddenly, we just have this pool of people. We've got influencers who have grown their followings organically, starting from, I guess, zero and building their way up into sort of influencer stardom. We've also got A-list celebrities in the mix. We've got them swimming around in this pool of social media confusion. And of course, we've also got the continual rise of all of the reality stars that are drip-fed from TV screens and directly now onto our news feeds. There is an absolute pool of influence, many, many different categories, and it's very hard to keep up. But the followings are growing and the engagement is flowing. Seriously, somewhere in the middle of all of this curated social randomness, we've then got our own friends that, you know, might pop up after we've seen a viral post from, I don't know, Kim Kardashian. <laughs> our realities are quite literally juxtaposed with those of the rich and famous, making us almost feel like our lives are colliding on one very busy and ever-changing scrolling screen. To this day, I mean, if I saw Kourtney Kardashian pop up on my doorstep, I still feel like I'd be like, oh, hey, Court, how's the new man? Feeling like she's an old friend. Social media gives you that illusion that these celebs are people who you know, which is kind of weird when you think about it. And in the last decade, especially in recent years, I haven't even mentioned this type of celeb. We've witnessed videos going viral. And of course, memes going viral. Basically, anything of anything that's interesting or that gets traction on the internet going viral. And as a result, this has caused another type of celebrity to rise up the ranks. The viral celebrity. I mean, come on. Think of Jackie Weaver, for goodness sake. A parish council mediator who went in to mediate a hilarious viral town hall meeting over lockdown. A guy shouting at her on the Zoom call, you have no authority, Jackie Weaver. And since then, she's been on the radio, national TV interviews, and has even put out a dance single last week, apparently. So, who has the authority now then? So I took a module in my third year of university, which looked into celebrity culture. And I've been checking my notes three years later, sat at my kitchen table during a global pandemic, and I'm trying to help inform the theory behind this episode. And a lot has changed since then. In my professional career, I have been you know, really lucky that I've been able to work with some of these 
household names. And I'm not going to start name dropping all over the place because that's not really my style and that's really not the purpose of this episode. And who wants to be that guy? But having had this experience, it honestly blows my mind to realise the power of celebrity culture and how much influence they really do have in all of our lives. There's a huge huge massive working machine behind a celebrity when people say beyonce has 24 hours in a day so why can't you do it i cynically think to myself well um because i'm assuming she has a hard-working publicity team a management agency a cook a cleaner a dietitian a personal assistant a social media team etc etc and not to mention makeup hair artists stylists editorial camera crews editors even more people involved i just can't even begin to think of that machine so When we try to ask ourselves, well, why can't we achieve the same amount as Beyonce in one day? You say, well, because I'm not 15 people at once. I can't achieve 360 hours of productivity in 24 hours of my day. I mean, I have to sleep at one point and I just can't do what Beyonce can. No shade to the queen. I mean, personally, I I love her. But let's not set ourselves unrealistic expectations and, and almost set ourselves up to impossible and unachievable realities. As Borstein states, you know, going to take it back to the academia side of things, but celebrities are cultural workers. They are paid for their labour. Celebrities are also property. That is, they are a financial asset to those who stand to gain from their commercialisation. A celeb is a business after all. Let's not, if we're not businesses, try to compare ourselves with businesses. There's no point. Mind your own business, hey? (laughs) When I was younger, I was asked... What did I want to be when I was older? And you know, obviously, I would want to be just like Rachel Stevens from S Club 7 and be a pop star. And to be fair to this day, I would still love to do that. And shout out to Rachel. You're probably not listening. I mean, you're definitely not listening. (laughs) But when you ask younger ones today what they want to be, even when we step into secondary schools, many of them now go with confidence and without the concept that this is a pipe dream. I want to be an influencer. I guess that's kind of like what Daniel Borstein is saying, that a celebrity is known for their knownness. You can even pay these days to have a celebrity experience. You pay crazy amounts of money to companies to offer the paparazzi and fan experience, being followed around like a celeb or an influencer. What price would you pay for just a touch of illusionary fame? You know, you can throw money at it, but it's never going to be truly authentic. At what point does a public figure become a celeb? According to Graham... Remember him from the beginning? Shout out to Graham. This occurs at a point at which the media interest in their activities is transferred from reporting on their public role to investigating the details of their private lives. Okay, if this is true in current times, is Cummings, ex-political advisor to Boris Johnson, who received an absolute public bollocking for breaking lockdown rules and a subsequent scrutiny into his personal life, is he now verging on being classed as a celebrity? Is that a thing? Are the two spheres of celebrity and public figures now just inextricably linked because of the rise of social media and therefore more access and invasive access into people's lives? But then on the other side, take Chris Whitty, our chief medical advisor, for example, a well-known face to the British public. I'm not even sure I could tell you an ounce about his private life. I mean, I've certainly seen his face pop up on those targeted ads from the government, which always kind of freak me out. But so is Chris Whitty a celebrity? Probably not. I don't know. It's a question that I'll probably never understand and probably won't get an answer because these things aren't binary. Andy Warhol, an absolute ledge, spoke about fame a lot. (laughs) He really did. And he bloody loved it. 
He talked about celebs being linked with mass consumerism. And he stated that celebrities are not born, they are made. But if we're going to interrogate that, just look at the Beckham family. Victoria, a Spice Girl, marries David, an absolutely legendary footballer, apparently, I'm told, according to my family, and I just have to trust their word for it. A fantastic film, Bend It Like Beckham, was coined because of his existence. Shout out! But if we go back to my actual point, without getting distracted and tangenting all over the place, that's not even a phrase, when they had their children, they were already born into this culture of celebrity. Both of their parents were absolutely famous to the max. So when Warhol says celebrities are not born, they are made, I think celebrities are born. Well, they are today. If you are born into fame, I do think that it's your rite of passage if you keep yourselves in the public eye that you are going to become a celebrity in your own right. Warhol stated back in the day that in the early days of film, fans used to idolise a whole star. They would take one star and love everything about that star. Today, there are different fan levels. Now, fans only idolise parts of the stars. Today, people can idolise a star in one area and forget about him in another. A big rock star might sell millions and millions of records, but then if he makes a bad movie and when the word gets around that it's bad, forget it. So, he decided to say that celebrities should always have a product that's not just you. An actress should count up her plays and movies and a model should count up her photographs and a writer should count up his words and an artist should count up his pictures so you always know exactly what you're worth and you don't get stuck thinking your product is you and your fame and your aura. Now, not everyone is going to agree with Warhol here, the absolutely brilliant eccentric that he was, but it's interesting to think about the product value that really lies behind the idea of celebrity. What makes one celeb stand out from another? What makes an influencer stand out from a celebrity? And what makes a celebrity stand out from just your average person that's gone viral? It's all rather subjective, but nonetheless, very interesting. Of course, do you admire that person because of their talent and how they then access their fans? Or do you just admire them because they're just being authentic? Or you perceive that they're being authentic? If we're going to try here and apply Warhol's logic, do humour me, but do stay with. Could celebrities or influencers nowadays add up all of their social output and therefore use that to determine what their worth is? Honestly, it's a headspin. I wonder how celebrity is going to evolve in the future. Obviously, we've seen that celebrity has evolved from gladiators to influencers. And of course, that's happened because of emerging technologies that's allowed more exposure of certain faces to certain audiences. Of course, we're now watching VR change the game. Is there going to be a new celebrity specific to virtual reality? Maybe. I mean, when we hear about emerging hologram technologies that are trying to be developed, will there be a way in which the idea of Instagram lives and TikTok lives, will we suddenly start to feel that these actual people are physically present and in our rooms, talking to us, live streaming to us, seeing what we're up to, talking to us, Will that help to combat loneliness? Will we start to feel like we have these virtual friends that are able to sit with us when we're down or when we don't want to go to the pub that evening? How is celebrity going to evolve with the emerging technologies of the times? It's an absolute guessing game and we are just not going to know until it happens. But when it does happen, are we going to look back on these conversations now and go, 
Gosh, that was a much more simpler time. I really hope that this episode has got you thinking about the evolution of celebrity and how we've maybe got to where we are today in society. It's been so lovely once again taking you through this virtual lesson, which has hopefully transcended eras of time and space and taken us back to the days before social media was a thing. It's been one of real thought and intrigue, and I'm really hoping that you stick around for the next episode next Monday. Make sure to follow me on Instagram at educate underscore podcast and also follow me on Twitter so you can keep up to all my Twitterings and socialings and keep up to date with any other virtual musings outside of this audio classroom. Have a great week and thanks for listening. Music